morning, good morning, good, good there we are, now we're good morning Well, good morning, I'm glad y'all are here. We, Andrew and I talked about having him record the announcements before he left on his honeymoon, and we decided that probably wouldn't work, so instead you just get me this morning, all right? I hope that you picked up a worship folder as you came in this morning. If you did, I just want to encourage you, check out what's in there. Uh, activities today going on. Deacons, we're meeting at 4 o'clock, choir rehearsal this afternoon at 4.30, and then of course this evening, we ladies and men's Bible studies, and we're worshiping together at 6 o'clock this evening. Don't want you to miss those things. If you've got some time available on Thursday afternoons at 2 o'clock, uh, we need all the help we can get all hands on deck down at Family Rehab Center for our worship time down there. So if you can be there and be a part of that, I want to encourage you to do so. Be sure to check out the things that are on the back of that worship folder as well. Uh, senior adults, our Believer Saints, we've got a, an event coming up on May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo, and they're going to be having, a, I think, a taco bar. Isn't that right? Everybody's up for a taco bar. Also, Vacation Bible School is going to be the next big, big, big thing on the calendar, and it's running at as fast. And if you want to be a part of that, haven't gotten signed up or hooked up with that, I want to encourage you to find my wife and have a conversation with her because I promise you she's got a place for you. There are some other events taking place, a baby shower for Embrace. And in just a few weeks, we're going to have Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, every year we put out the baby bottles, and the baby bottles go out, they come back in on Father's Day, fill them with change, put a check in them, bills, whatever you want to do, but that money then will go uh, to, to assist the ministry of Kansas for Life. So be sure, there are all kinds of opportunities to get involved in ministry, somehow, some way, whatever appeals to you. But the most important thing you do is you get connected to the Lord first. And that's what we come together to do today as we come to worship. And today, Man, I get to say this again. Do you know what we get to do this morning? We get to praise the Lord. We join our hearts together to worship Him. So before we join in song to do that, let's go to Him together in prayer this morning. Father, we are so thankful today that we can come into Your house. We can worship You. We can sing songs of praise. We can look to Your Word and allow You to speak to us. Father, I pray that this morning you would open our hearts to receive everything you want to pour in, that we would hear everything you want to speak to us so that you might teach us how to follow you more closely and to live and serve you more faithfully. Now, Father, I just pray, take this time of worship. Be glorified through the worship of your children. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I invite you to stand with us this morning as we share in song about his greatness and his majesty.
Oh, great. 
Well, have I got some preschoolers come join me? You know why that happened? Because he's eating his breakfast here. <laughs> How many of y'all had breakfast this morning? All of you. Did, did y'all have breakfast back there? Yeah? What'd y'all have for breakfast? I had chocolate. You had chocolate gravy. I'll be over at your house next week. <laughs> All right. You had chips? Anybody have donuts? Yeah? Anybody have cereal? Yeah? Yeah? Well, anybody, probably somebody out there had ham and eggs, or bacon and eggs, or sausage and eggs, or something and eggs. Maybe just eggs. But you know what? We, we had breakfast. Can I ask you a question? Did any of y'all eat fish for breakfast? You did. Well, I noticed he was eating goldfish as he came down for breakfast. So I figured that, you know, kind of goes along. We, if you were in Sunday school, and you were because you got goldfish, y'all were hearing about a time when Jesus had breakfast with his disciples on the beach. And it happened after the resurrection. And there were still people who were struggling to understand that Jesus was alive. There are still people struggling to understand that today. But Jesus showed up on the beach, and they had fish for breakfast. You know, one of the things that's amazing about that story is we always focus on the beach. We focus on Jesus. We focus on the disciples. We talk about the fish. But one of the things we really miss is simply this. Wherever we are, Jesus is. And whatever we need, Jesus provides. And that's how it works. And you're going to learn more about that this morning in kids' worship. And so I'm going to invite you, if you can hold on to your puppy for just a minute, to pray with me. Let's pray together, and then you can go, okay? Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful today. That wherever we are, you're there. Whatever we need, you stand ready to provide. Father, teach us to trust you, to lean on you, and to count on you, no matter what we're going through in life. Lord, I pray that you'd become very real to these children today, just as you will for all the rest of us. Teach us what we need to know about you so that we can follow you more closely. Lord, I pray you watch over these kids. Keep them safe until we meet again next Sunday. But we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you guys next week, okay?
It's amazing to me that so many people already seem as if they have forgotten what last Sunday was. It was Easter, folks. And last week on Easter, I explained to you why I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My conviction regarding the resurrection is based upon the eyewitness testimony of those who saw the empty tomb and met the risen Lord. My conviction is based upon the prophetic foretelling of the resurrection and the record of what actually happened on that day. But probably more than anything else, my conviction is based upon the lives that were changed that day and the lives that have been changed ever since then, including those of us in this room. Now, there were skeptics then who tried to cast doubt on the resurrection. They tried to tell us that, well, his death was faked by the use of drugs so that he could be revived later and they could claim that it was a resurrection. Others claimed that his body was stolen away by his disciples and was buried somewhere else so that they could maintain the mystery of a resurrection. And please understand, I, I don't have any problem allowing people to have their own opinions. I really don't. And if someone disagrees with me, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you where my points of concern come from. Number one, that they're wrong. And number two, that it's going to impact their eternal destination in a horrible way. The skeptical theories are nothing new. The resurrection was being questioned within hours of its occurrence. And at the root of those assertions lies the human belief the dead men are dead, and they do not live again. And most of us can agree with that. I agree with that, with one exception. And that exception is my Lord Jesus Christ. The thing is, I'm not alone in having that conviction. The Apostle Paul would agree with me. In fact, he addressed this very issue of the resurrection in his first letter to the Corinthians in the 15th chapter. If you've got a Bible with you, I'm going to invite you to take it and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to look there together in just a moment. Paul responded to these claims that the resurrection didn't happen, working from the premise that if Jesus is not risen, that the foundation of our faith is faulty. Now, I'm not as intelligent as Paul. I'm not as well trained as Paul. So I'm going to look at it from a different perspective. When I was raising children in my home, I heard one question over and over and over again. Well, what if, y'all ever heard that question? What if, well, we're going to do this. Well, what if instead, I want you to do this. Well, what if I do this instead of that? What if? Well, this morning, I want us to think about that what if. What if it never happened? 
What if the resurrection didn't occur? What if it all was a hoax? What if Jesus died on the cross and they placed his body in the tomb and the ladies just went to the wrong place that morning? He's still there. What if it never happened? Good question for a skeptic to ask. I think there were already people asking that question. That's the reason Paul wrote the words that he did, and we're going to look at them together. If you've got your Bible open, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, find verse 12. Once you've found that, if you can and will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read together from his holy word. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 12, Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he says, Now, if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, if it didn't happen, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Now, I'm going to invite you, if you would, just go ahead and read another verse. you got your Bible open there. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want you to hear this. But now, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word, for its reading. And we ask you to, to bless its reading, that your word would not go forth and return to you until it has accomplished everything you desire. Father, give us understanding. Open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts. Let us hear your truth and hear your voice. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Convict us of sin. Convince us of the Savior. Draw us toward the Father that we might have a renewed relationship through the redemption that was purchased at the cross. Father God, you know the condition of every heart, every individual in this room. I pray now that you would address us, confront us, Change us, challenge us, and call us that your will might be done in each life. Father, have your way. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. I don't know how closely you paid attention to the verses we just read. Seven times, seven times. Paul uses the word if, if, as he sought to reveal the consequences of life 
if there is no resurrection. The undeniable conclusion of those who reject the resurrection of Jesus is that Christianity is fake. It's phony. It's powerless. It has no impact. The dead are lost forever. And those of us who believe, who call ourselves Christians, we are deluded. I do not believe this to be true. I believe that the most pivotal events in human history are the life, death, burial, and resurrection of my Lord Jesus Christ. The cross and the resurrection are eternally linked together, each one finding the fulfillment of its meaning in the other. You see, the cross without the resurrection is cruel. The resurrection without Jesus actually dying on the cross is powerless. The good news is that he did die on the cross and in so doing that he paid the price for my sins and for yours. And the best news is that after dying and being buried, he did not stay dead. He rose again in triumphant glory. And in that truth, we find forgiveness and a future that is built upon faith. Now, that's all my conviction. But if the resurrection did not occur, our faith is useless. Apparently, there were those in Corinth who believed that it didn't happen. So maybe we can just call the world in which we live today Corinth. There are many who do not believe that it happened. But you see, the Apostle Paul was a man who understood the emptiness of life without faith in God. You say, well, wait a minute. Even before Saul was converted and became Paul, he had faith in God. No, he believed in God. His faith was in the law. His faith was in the religion. His faith was in the system that he was following. His faith was not in God. It was in all of those other things. He believed there was a God, but it wasn't a personal type of relationship. And so as he writes this, he understands the emptiness of what it is to live life without a personal relationship to God that's built upon faith. And he writes this, this passage. And if you've got your Bible open, look at it with me for a moment. In verse 14, let's go there. He says, if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain. Now, I know some of you are going to say, right on, preacher, shut up and sit down. Preaching's not worth anything. Understand something. Paul's saying that. That's not what he believes. He goes on after that, and he says, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith also is in vain. It is misplaced. It is empty. It is void. Everything you're holding on to, throw it out. It doesn't count. You drop down a little further to verse 17. He said, if Christ has not been raised, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. I don't know about you guys. I, I can just tell you what I, I, I know. 
from my own personal experience, I don't know how to get up in the morning and go through my day without the understanding, the knowledge, the conviction, and the belief that Jesus Christ is there with me, that he is in the midst of my life, that he gives purpose and meaning and value to everything. And that's what Paul's trying to address with his, with his brothers and sisters. Can you imagine getting out of bed in the morning and having no purpose, no meaning, no reason, no Savior, if Christ has not been raised from the dead? You see, the key to every statement that Paul is making here is the word if. I know that looks like a little word in print in your Bible, but I'm telling you, that's a huge word. If. He is writing for, he is arguing, he is debating for a decision by his readers. You know what the decision is? Choose. Choose right now. Choose today. You have to choose for yourself. Do you believe or do you not believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? If you believe that he rose from the dead and the scriptures and the eyewitnesses and the changed lives are proof and evidence enough for you, then we can move forward. If you do not believe, there is no point in me preaching because nothing I am saying is going to change your mind. Nothing that I can say is going to change what you believe. But you are destined to live the rest of your life without hope, without a future, and without anything to anticipate the lying ahead. So you have to choose. And in choosing, you are going to determine, is the gospel useless and futile? For me, the answer is no. The answers are resounding. No, I mean, let's forget all of the, the scriptural, spiritual stuff for a minute. Can we do that? I have people tell me that all the time. Well, all you do is just shoot scripture at it. I think that's a pretty good way to do it. But let's set that aside for a moment. If that doesn't work for you, let's try a different tact. Look at all of the changes that have occurred in the world, positive changes, brought about by Christianity in our world. Now, I know that there are some negative things too, and we can, we can unpack those and we can lay it all out there. People can say, well, yeah, but Christianity has brought a lot of bad stuff. It has. It has. But let's talk about the good things for a moment, shall we? In a world where women and children were seen as just property, pawns, if you will, to be used by men, Jesus came along and he elevated their place in the world. He gave them purpose. He gave them meaning. He made them something more. He gave them worth and dignity and, and purpose for living. You see, before Christianity arrived, women were mistreated. They were abandoned. They were brutalized. Why? Because they're property. They were no more than a dog in the life of a man. As long as she was useful, he'd keep her around. As long as she met some need, he'd keep her around. But as soon as he felt like that need was not being met, she was not fulfilling a purpose, he could cast her aside. And no one cared, no one stepped in, no one objected. Why? Because that was the way the world was. Before Jesus came along, infanticide was the norm of the day. 
Now, I mean, God had even had to have some discussions about his chosen people, Israel, about this, because they did not treat their children and their unborn children the way that they ought to. They often sacrificed them to pagan gods. They burned them in the fires of Molech. It was horrible. But before you get too critical of them, let's remember that over 60 million babies have been aborted in this nation. Understand, women and children were nothing but property, pawns. But then Jesus came along, and he healed women, and he allowed them into his circle of disciples. And if you paid any attention last week, you remember the first people that found out he had risen were women. And they were the ones who believed and went back and told the disciples who thought it was nonsense. That was the men. It was the men who then had to take off and run to the tomb in order to confirm that what the lady said was true. And it was. And that same Jesus that was resurrected, he was the same one that called the little children to himself and sat him on his lap and blessed them and told people to care for them and to protect them. You see, the gospel has done some amazingly wonderful things. Let's just step into the culture war for a minute, shall we? The gospel has, it does, and it always will condemn slavery. No man is to be the property of another man. It calls for right, loving, equal relationships among all people, regardless of their gender, regardless of their color, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their language. You say, well, what's the big deal? We, we agree with that. I know you do, but understand something. Jesus was living in the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire had more slaves in it than it had Roman citizens. The gospel was fostered in an environment where everything virtually that Jesus said went against the culture. And when you look at everything else that the gospel has brought into our world, educational institutions, care for children in orphanages and homes, medical ministries and hospitals, a host of other charitable endeavors that have all been birthed by the message of the gospel and the good news that Jesus Christ, who was resurrected, is living again. If the gospel is useless, if it is futile, it should never have led to the accomplishment of so much good throughout the centuries around the globe. But even more than that, if the resurrection didn't occur, Forgiveness is a myth, a myth, a, a, a fantasy. If you look back at what Paul said in verses 16 through 18, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ, <laughs> they perished. That means that forgiveness is a myth. If forgiveness is a myth, eternal life does not exist. I, I don't know about you, but when you read verses 16 through 18, let me tell you something. I find it disturbing. 
I find it disturbing that someone would grab at and try to wrench away the hope that so many of us cling to in quiet desperation as we struggle through life and its ups and downs. Paul says that if Christ has not been raised, then we who believe are lost. We are lost, and those who have died, even if they did believe, they're lost forever. See, if you look at verse 18, it says, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. That word perished, your translation may say lost. They're lost. But that word means to be destroyed. By proper definition, perish means to come to an end, to be destroyed, to cease to exist, to disappear, to vanish, or to pass into oblivion. Today, scholars call it annihilation. They have been annihilated. They no longer are in any form, in any place. But friends, I want to tell you something. Death is not the end of being. We are not trapped between this life and annihilation. We have been called, invited to choose between heaven and hell. Every one of us gets to make that choice. God has made that possible. But without the resurrection of Jesus Christ... We are still in our sins, and we are condemned. If. But when Christ arose, he overcame the wages of sin. What is the wages of sin? When he arose, what did he overcome? Death, the wages of sin. So when he arose, he overcame the wages of sin. And in doing so, he made forgiveness available and accessible excuse me, to all who will and can believe. Christ, Christ completed his mission. And do you know why he did that? I mean, I, we all are familiar with the words of Jesus on the cross. Or I hope you are. If you're not, I hope you'll go back and read the gospel accounts of the crucifixion and see all of the different things that Jesus said. But one of the most amazing statements that he made as he approached the end of his human life, as he was dying on the cross, were these words, It is finished. It is finished. Because you see, when he said that, what he was saying was, My mission is completed. I've accomplished what I came to do. I have done what I was sent to do by my Father. When Jesus completed his mission, he revealed, won't you listen to me? He revealed your value and my value to the Father. Do you understand how much God thinks you're worth? Every year, every year it happens. Every spring it occurs. It just so happens to happen around Easter time. And my wife will look at me and say, honey, 
in her best voice, you know, honey, we need new mulch. And away I go to Lowe's. Every year I say to myself, I will never come to this store again at this time of year. Lowe's in the springtime is as bad as Walmart right before Christmas. Everybody in the country is there for the same reason, for the same plants, for the same pieces of dead wood, for the same rubber trim. Everybody's there. And every year, Americans spend billions of dollars buying stuff for their landscaping because they value the appearance of their properties. Every year, Americans spend billions of dollars on paint and stain and siding and shingles because they value their structures. God looked at his world and he looked at you and he looked at me and he looked at every one of us and he valued us so greatly that he sent his only son to purchase us, to buy us back from sin, to buy us out of bondage, and to buy us away from death. And he paid the full price. And in this dying world, I would remind you that if the resurrection did not occur, we have no hope and no future. No hope and no future. Paul wrote in verse 19, he said, If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, In this life only. What, what he's saying is, if what Christ did does not extend beyond this human life, if what Christ did does not extend beyond this existence, this realm, then we're living our lives in vain. We're fools. Paul is driving at a point. His point is this. If there is no resurrection, then we who are believers should be the most miserable people in the world. If Christ is not risen, then we have denied ourselves for nothing. We have tried to live to his standard and his teaching and his calling for absolutely no purpose. We have gone contrary to the world and suffered the indignities of swimming upstream against culture for no reason whatsoever. And if that is true, then Paul says we are of all men to be most pitied. Now allow me to take you just a moment 
and just a short distance further. Because you see, in those first verses from 12 through 19, I told you, Paul used the word if seven times. But when you come to verse 20, do you see the word that begins it? Got your Bible? Look at it. First word, but. See, all those ifs are questioning. Here's the answer, but. But now. Christ has been raised from the dead. Paul says, I don't have any doubt. He said, well, how can he possibly say, I have no doubt? Because he remembered the voice of Jesus on the road to Damascus when he had been struck blind. He remembered the testimony of those that he had been willing to, to persecute. He remembered the testimony of Stephen as he was preparing to die, looking up and saying, I see him standing at the right hand of the Father. He remembered, he understood there is something beyond what this world can see and know. And friends, the only way that we see it and know it is that the Spirit of God has given us insight, has pulled back the curtain and said, take a peek, friends. You're going to hold on to this the rest of your life. That's what's going to give you hope. He knew it to be true. And so he says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. And then he says the most marvelously wonderful thing. The first fruits of those who are asleep. The first fruit. Do you understand what the first fruits means? It means there's more to come. It means this is just the beginning of the harvest. This is just the beginning of the resurrection. This is the first fruit. These are the first heads of grain that are plucked. These are the first ones to ripen. These are the first fruits. But there is still an entire harvest yet to come. So after all the ifs, we get the but. Paul has told us, if not, if not, if not. But now we see, but Christ is now risen. Listen, I understand we live in a miserable world. We read about misery every day. If we look around, we see misery everywhere. We hear the stories. We may experience some of the misery ourselves. It is all around us. But in the midst of it all, I want you to know something this morning. Christ is risen. He offers hope. In the midst of a hopelessness, he offers us comfort when we are drowning in our sorrow. He offers life when all we see around us is death. And probably somebody in this room is wondering right now, why on earth would he preach again on the resurrection the Sunday after Easter? Let me give you the answer. It's because... Everything else in life rises or falls with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If it's real, and it is, we have hope. We have a future. We have experienced forgiveness and new life, and it 
It permeates our very being. We know it's real because we feel it. We sense it. We smell it. We know it. We own it. And it owns us. And if you don't know it, if you've never experienced it, you have no faith, no forgiveness, and no future. So let me ask you one question. It can be asked in a multitude of different ways. But no matter how it's phrased or worded, it's the most important question that you will ever answer in this lifetime. Will you follow the risen Christ today? For my brothers and sisters who have, hold on. I know you may be struggling. I know the world's a tough place. I know that there are health issues and there are economic issues and, and, and all kinds of issues that flood at us. And there's all kinds of, of burdens and baggage and emotion. Hold on. The best is coming. If you look at me and say, I don't know about this whole thing. Let me explain something to you. Apart from Jesus, there is no hope. Apart from Jesus, there is no life. And apart from Jesus, there is no forgiveness. If there is a longing in your heart to know what it feels like to be guiltless, to know without any shadow of doubt that when you draw a final breath here, you're going to open your eyes and draw a breath of glorious eternal air. I don't know what the difference is. All I know is it's real. If you want to know that, there's one person you have to know. And it's not the preacher. It's Jesus Christ. The risen, living Son of God. And today he wants to meet you. I'd love to introduce you to my friend. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. If you need that relationship, I want to invite you to come. Take me by the hand. Say, preacher, I want that relationship. I won't embarrass you or put you on the spot. But whether we can do it right now or we need to visit more later, I'd be happy to do it. Brothers and sisters, you ought to be singing to him at the top of your lungs because you know who he is in your life and in your heart, and you know you need him more than you need breath itself. Maybe that hasn't got anything to do with it. Maybe you're a believer, but you're looking for a church home, a place where you can serve and be served and where you can be a part of what God is doing. If this is where he's brought you and this is where you need to be, I want to invite you to come. Share that with me. We'll do whatever needs to be done. We'll take care of it. We'll figure it out together. But my friend, I want to ask you one last time. Will you follow the risen Christ today? Hear his voice. 
choose wisely. Let's bow our heads together. Father, how I praise you and thank you this morning that you have given us your word. It's, this is not a collection of stories. This is the inspired word of God. It tells us the truth. It supports the truth. It is the truth. Oh, how tragic it would be, Father, if all we could read is the ifs. If Christ is not, if Christ is not, if Christ is not. I am so thankful and grateful that you allowed Paul to write, but now Christ is risen. Father, I praise you for the gift of your Son, for all that it brings, forgiveness and healing, life abundant and eternal, hope in the struggle and hope for the future. Father, how we rejoice in that knowledge. Father, how heavy our hearts are for those who do not believe, who have never yet come to that place of knowing that there is a Savior, that He loves them, that He died for them, and all they have to do is come to Him in repentance and faith, owning their sin, asking forgiveness, turning from that way to His way. Father, today, I believe your spirit is addressing hearts. Lord, I, I pray that whatever you desire to do, that it would be done, that it would bring glory and honor to you, and that we could walk out of this place rejoicing that you are in charge, you are on the throne, you are sovereign. All we have to do is follow you, serve you, trust you, and you've got the rest of it. Father, call out the called. Convict of sin. Show us the Savior. Have your way. We're going to give you the praise and the glory for all that you do. But we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this song through. If you need to come, I invite you to come. I'll meet you right down here. We won't be long.
Not just words of a song, words of my heart. I need him. I, I don't know what your testimony is, but I'll tell you mine. I need him. Couldn't make it a day without him. Don't think I can make an hour. No, I can't make a half hour. I fall over my own feet every day. I need him. You do too, whether you realize it or not. I know that there are folks in this room who sit and listen walk out the door and then somewhere along the way between here and home say you know maybe I should have I know I ought to have but I didn't I want you to know something I have a phone I will receive calls we can visit if God's laid something on your heart you need to be doing, some piece of business with him you haven't taken care of, quit putting it off. Because the longer you do that, the easier it becomes, and the easier it becomes, the further you grow away from him. You don't want to be away from him. One of the things that amazed me, you know, this morning I was telling the children about breakfast with Jesus on the beach. You remember who he walked and had a conversation with that morning? Peter. You remember when Jesus was arrested? We're told the disciples scattered. Peter gets special mention because it says he followed the Lord at a distance. He followed him at a distance. You know what that led to? Denials. See, when you get at a distance from God, that's when the denials start. And when those denials start, that's when it's time for a restoration. That's when you need to have a little breakfast meeting with Jesus. A lot of people don't put 
the dots together in that story. I hope you will, and I hope you understand. You don't want to follow Jesus at a distance. You want to get right up next to him and stay with him. If I can help you do that, give me a call. Let's visit. This morning, we have a young lady coming in Mayfield. She wants to be a part of our church family. We connected with Ann through the ministry of the Family Rehab Center and uh, got to know her through that, her late husband. And she's been on the mend after back surgery. We've been praying for her, and we're so grateful that she's come today, desiring to unite with our church. And I'm going to offer her to you by statement. We've sat and visited. She shared with me her journey of faith about her baptism, her conversion, and she wants to be a part of what God is doing in this place. If you're willing to receive her into our fellowship in that way and just allow her to be a part of us, would you just say amen? Amen. And if not, would you say oh me? Hearing none, we will count that as done. And we are so glad that the Lord has led you to us. And we're looking forward to knowing you better and allowing you to become a part of this fellowship. Find a place to serve. Find a, a people to be a part of. And just connect in any way you can. We'll help you every way we can, okay? Folks, you come here, you worship. You go out there, it's time for service. So look around you. Ask the Lord every morning to open your eyes to see the opportunities. Because I promise you they're there. And when he shows them to you, jump in the big middle of it and let him use you to do something glorious in someone else's life, all right? Worship tonight, 6 o'clock. We'd love to see you back here. In the meanwhile, let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Hey. to share you with others, Lord, to study your word, to just have personal times of worship with you. Thank you for this time we've had. Lord, send us out strong and bold. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.